This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. You gotta check your levels and then you'll peek in your Okay. We'll wait and see if you peek up. Test. That's peeking. Right. Test, test. From here should be fine too. If you're too close to the mic, we'll be peeking. Okay, good. <clears throat> been enjoying this chair. It's okay. It's not great. It's okay. Shoes. 
Put the camera off for now. All right. You want it off? For now, yeah. Mute us too. Okay, Ruthie's sending. Hi. Yeah. Woo! Okay. <laughs> so sorry, everybody.
Thank you. Hi, everybody. How's it going over there? We've got a, it's going to take a few minutes for everyone to join. Just, uh, you can hear me, right? Yitti Deutsch, you hear me? Sorry, you can hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Okay, okay great. We're just uh, the first day, it always takes a few minutes for everyone to jo- come on. Yeah, this is the shear. Welcome, I Bobby have... Shiner. Yeah, that's him speaking. He has a strong yeah, with us. We have time. There's uh, people are still coming on. We'll give it a few more minutes. Okay, he didn't start yet. He said he's waiting for more. If you realize in your life, all you really have is your consciousness. You know, what else do you have? You know, you're, you're sitting there consciously aware and i'm speaking into that consciousness right now so that's that's basically all you got and since that's all you got well you want to take care of it and we're busy taking care of a lot of things i mean you know i'm i'm taking care of my kids i'm taking care of my household i'm taking care of my appliances i'm taking care of the the sinks and the and the you know the i'm telling you we take care of a lot of things but the 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 one that gets neglected the most is the consciousness, as our minds are very untrained and un undisciplined, uh, and and um, and that's pretty scary if you think about it, because you think some sixty thousand words a day, sixty thousand words a day. You're probably wondering why I'm calling them thoughts, because in Hebrew they're the same. Davar, davar, davarim are words. And a devar is a thing, and you think things all day long. 60,000 things a day, and about 3,000 things an hour. Some of them you let leave your mouth, but I promise you, whatever you let leave your mouth, Razy, you have tailored it for the listener. So our concern's much more for the thoughts that aren't coming out. 
that are that are going to be shaping consciousness. Now, consciousness is. Uh, Can you please explain people. what you mean by consciousness? Sure, of course. Um, was that Ruchi who asked me that? No. Oh, was, uh, oh what's your name, Bobby Shiner? Abigail. Abigail. So we go on first name basis in here um, just during the seminar. Um, so Abigail, the um, consciousness is, it's your, there, there's two levels of it. One is your thoughts. And that's not true consciousness, but that's what we've been discussing, the 60,000 thoughts. And uh, the other is the awareness of those thoughts. Like right now, you're thinking things, but you're aware of that, right? Are you aware yeah. of that? Yes. So that, that awareness is your consciousness. And the thoughts are usually hijacking your consciousness. Your thoughts generally are louder than the me that experiences them you understand there's a you that experiences thoughts and that's your true consciousness but it's often hijacked by the thoughts themselves and that's why we lose well-being pretty quickly is because we we lose track of ourselves in the stream of thoughts you mean your thoughts are not part of you yeah they're not very little to do with you actually and they're probably grossly inaccurate when referring, when self, we self refer in, in grossly inaccurate ways. Like uh, the, the chances of you having negative thoughts about yourself are, are super high. And that doesn't make a lot of sense considering that it's so important to you that others think highly of you. Why would you not be thinking highly of yourself? And yet we're all uh, more than more than willing to think negative thing negatively about ourselves. And we're we're pretty in, we're pretty uh, complex people, human beings, you know. So and those anyway, thoughts, but those thoughts you're saying are not part of your consciousness. Those ones that are negative. Well, I've been using consciousness extra generic, so I was including both the thoughts and the and the self, the true self. So let's just go broad first, and then maybe we can bring in the, uh, the other. Um, is there music playing in the background there, Abigail? Yeah, I'll, I'll mute it. Someone else is here. So uh, you're on a head. You're on a headset. Um, you want? I can close the music. You're muted most of the time, anyway. It's just that when you're speaking to me, we the whole group's hearing the music. Okay. So, so here's the thing, ladies, listen carefully. The, the consciousness, um, which we're now calling your thoughts and your true self, but I wasn't planning on getting that advanced. It's just that this woman, Abigail, asked. So, so I started uh, distinguishing thoughts from consciousness. But, but there's altogether, these thoughts are having a, um, they have a massive impact on your life, but massive and um, that's why you'll notice that you keep getting more of what you don't want in life is because you're ruminating about it. And because you're ruminating about it, it's, it's become a pattern that's vib- about vibrational reality that, that you are emitting, like literally radiating into the world. And hence your re- interactions are all coming out accordingly. And, and that's, 
And what, so what we're really talking about here is, is consciousness hygiene. Consciousness hygiene means that just like you'd brush your teeth or you'd make sure, you know, your plates and cutlery are, are without germs. So too, you would make sure your mind is without germs. And the results of that are, are massive. So consciousness hygiene is, is of the highest, highest form of priority. In fact, uh, there is nothing of higher priority because your whole life really will unfold based upon your cleanliness of, of thought and gentleness of, of being um, with yourself. And um, now the work that I do in The Possible You is, is to... Um, is to go down the rabbit hole of of the of our consciousness and to see how it is that we are interacting with ourselves such that you can um, such that you can neutralize negative thinking and and therefore automatically get results in your interactions and your relationships and your and your business and your health and all those things now um, this is this is a lifetime discipline, though. There's no silver bullet. I'm not saying you do the possible you, and you're done, and you've got it. It's not like that. This is a, a lifetime of work, and I have been working on this for many, many years. Um, I have. Uh, I'm actually 40 years in the consciousness movement, working in it, and the. And if I can go, can, can I go unconscious? Can I create negative energy? You, you betcha. Of course I can. But the likelihood of me catching it about a million years before you would is much higher because I'm sensitized to it. And, and I'm going to be very likely to, um, to I'm very going to be very likely to catch it. Bye, Mrs. Levy. So... <laughs> Anyway, the, the, um, yeah, so I'm more likely, I'm going to catch it very quickly because I'm, I'm very sensitized to my, my, the hygiene of my thinking. And I also have the steps and exercises and different tools to use when, you know, negativity seeping into my, my self-talk, you know, I can catch it quickly and get to a, the kind of space I would I want to be in as opposed to the one I've fallen into now um, let's let's get started here we when, one of the main things we're going to be doing throughout the seminar is is what's called distinctions and and distinctions just means that that um, it's the Chachma, like wisdom, comes from not blurring, you know, disparate subjects, like keeping them po- properly separated. Okay, so so real wisdom is going to come from separating things, like like for example, the the wisdom of of uh, the doctor of you know of eyes. You know, there's many kinds of eye doctors, and they have distinguished they have distinguished the parts of the eyes such that there's probably five, six types of of uh, eye specialists. And so, you wouldn't want to go to one who's just an overall eye doctor for 
a specific situation. Maybe you could go to one to direct you to a specialist, but but you wouldn't want him handling or her handling your, you know, your issues because there's greater distinctions. That that doctor has things has all the distinctions kind of in one package. Whereas you know, there's really there's there's the retina, and then there's uh, optical cones, and and they're they're separate things. And if you can if you can find a doctor that specializes in the one you're dealing with, that would be much better. Um, so distinctions are super important. Um, you don't need to know those distinctions to drive a car, but your mechanic better know the distinctions of the engine and the brakes and the, and the accelerator, you know, and that the accelerator properly releases when you lift your foot, you know, and so that you're not just driving, you know, into the next building that you see. So we do count on the world having proper distinctions and a musician, you know, has strings of his instrument or the buttons on the horn properly distinguished from one another. But just like you can enjoy a car ride without knowing anything about an engine, you can enjoy music without knowing anything about a guitar. Um, you can also enjoy perfect vision without having to be a eye doctor. You know, these are things we leave to others. But there's one thing you can't leave to others, and that is your own, your own life. And life has its distinctions, just like car engines have distinctions. There are distinctions in life, and they're really important that you have a mastery of them. You are expected. I mean, if you want to go live in a cave, fine. You don't have to learn any life distinctions. But if you like to live married with children in a, or work and work, or, you know, be part of society, community, well, you better get these distinctions clear and you better have some level of mastery over distinctions. Otherwise, if you're going to blur the distinctions for life, you know, well, get ready for, you know, a very dramatic life. And I don't think anyone wants drama in their lives, but you'll notice that you got plenty of it. And uh, the reason you have so much drama in your life is because you are not a real pro at this point. And the strange thing is that our society will, will tolerate that, you know. It's amazing how, uh, it's amazing how, um, how our society tolerates ineptitude when it comes to uh, being, you know, like, um, uh, these post post war Hasidic communities, where the where uh, mastery of the distinctions for living are almost non-existent, you know, in in and but yet they will paint a whole picture around it that you know they'll create a whole scuff around it that will somehow um, paint over the dysfunction. You know, which is, and there's a term for that, by the way. Whenever you paint over dysfunction, the term for that is called um, uh, delusion. <laughs> you know, you understand the term for the term for painting over a lack of uh, of uh, proper distinction is called delusion. Delusion. Hold on one sec. Let me just see if there's a problem. That's why more people aren't on. Hello, Bokshem. 
Are you calling about the webinar that I'm teaching right now? Ah, great. Yeah, just send me a send me a WhatsApp now. I I'm in the middle of a webinar. Okay, all the best. Bye bye. <laughs> My phone wasn't on Do Not Disturb, and it was an eight four eight number. So I thought, oh, great, someone needs the code. Um, so. Uh, yeah, Razel asked for distinctions in what I mean. Um, yeah, sure, of course. So first of all, let me give you a great muscle, Razel. You might appreciate this muscle. So if you have a box with four tunnels, long tunnels going down, you put a rat inside the box, you know, hungry rat, it's going to go down tunnel one to look for some cheese. No cheese, going to go to tunnel two, no cheese, tunnel three, no cheese. Eventually, it's going to go to tunnel four. There's cheese, put cheese there and and next time you put the rat in the box, what tunnel is he going to go down? Uh, maybe you should turn your mics on, a few of you at least. If there's no noise in your room, turn your mics on so I don't feel completely isolated here. If it's a smart rat, it's going to go to four. Otherwise, yeah, well, every, yeah, well guess what? Uh, 100 out of 100 rats are smart enough to go to straight to tunnel four. <laughs> they're going straight to four. They, they have, they're very good about these things. And so, yeah, that you put the rat back in the tunnel. He's going straight to four and there, you should have cheese there waiting for him. And so he gets the cheese each time. Um, eventually you put the cheese in one, you take it out of four and you put it in one tunnel one, you put the rat inside the box. What tunnel is he going to go down? four right he's gonna go down thank you he's gonna go down tunnel four and <laughs> and he goes <laughs> he goes down tunnel four and guess what no cheese so what's he gonna do he goes into tunnel three no cheese tunnel two no cheese go to tunnel one there's the cheese now, if you put the rat back in the box, what tunnel is it going to? You can do it with your fingers if you want. What tunnel is the rat going to go into? Yeah, what what tunnel? Not four. Definitely not four. He's too smart for that. Yeah. He's definitely going to go down to tunnel one, and there's the cheese. And that, that's where he's going to go each time. Now, a human being... Where does the human being go? So you put a human being in the box. I'll go tunnel one, no cheese, tunnel two, no cheese, tunnel three, no cheese, tunnel four. There's the cheese. Keep it going, tunnel four. Put the cheese each time. The The human being is going to go into tunnel four each time. Now, if you move the cheese to tunnel one, what's the human being going to do? Go down tunnel four, see yeah. there's no cheese. And then they're going to set up a tent for the next 40 years and tell stories about how the cheese was once in Tunnel 4. They're going to put a plaque up there. They're going to train their great-grandchildren and all the men hugging of where the cheese once was. And we're not going to eat garlic on Pesach for reasons no one quite can remember. And so... And You're so making me laugh because we, we just heard a story about how we them. Our, grandpa our grandchildren's time, they'll talk about how by the Seder they're wearing masks and gloves because their grandparents did and their parents did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we think that dysfunction with a 
with a narrative around it. Now, listen carefully. I'm saying it real clear now. That dysfunction with a narrative equals, you know, normal. Yeah, that dysfunction with a narrative equals normal. And by the way, I, I don't think minhagim are dysfunctional. They have narratives and they're fine. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, this is the first year we ever use garlic on Pesach in my house. Um, we've been keeping that. It's just that the two families we're closest with in the Yerushalmi world that taught my wife and I everything we know. My wife went over there and found them using garlic. Both of them. It was really strange because I think it's because of them we were not using garlic. Anyway, in the end, we were... They were like, just use garlic. Don't be crazy. You guys are, we're, we're crazy enough. You, like, you don't have to take on everything we do. You know, and uh, someone sent on the chat why we do it with garlic. Don't use garlic. Can you give an example what you mean? Because garlic used to be put in the flour to keep it fresh. Right, right. Yeah, we, we actually heard that. Thank you. So, um, yeah. So what would be an example? An example would be... Um, uh, People who have had, uh, let's say, for example, they were um, physically uh, abused um, are going to be less likely um, touchy with their children. And so and so their children will probably lack physical, physical contact, physical expressions of love as a result. And what they'll do is they'll just kind of build some kind of story around it that that you know you can love a, you can love your child without touching your child. Um, the uh, maybe a bigger story would be in um, um, this is a strong one in Williamsburg, is uh, which I'm sure all the outlying Satmir communities have this, and I found they do, including like a Visionist Muncie World and various others. The um, they, you know, after the war, the many people had become permanently disassociated. There's three types of survivors from the war. They're the ones I grew up with in L.A. Those are the the only physical survivors. <laughs> they, they, there's three types. They only survive physically. And the other type is uh, they survive physically and spiritually. I had some uncles in New York who were from and like, they're going to like... Sh- they rebuilt the family in Yiddishkeit out there in New York. They're going to show those Nazi bastards and, and rebuilt themselves Jewishly. But, but no, uh, not, none of the third level. The third level is, is to be um, still totally in touch with yourself, like totally self, self-aware, self-in-touch, and, you know, emotionally, emotionally intelligent. So what happens when anyone's tortured is they go into a, what's called disassociation. And uh, what happened in the war was people, um, the only way to survive the war was dis- to disassociate and get through it. We all disassociate. You know, when a dentist comes at you with a needle, you know, to, for your gums, you're like, I'm out of here, you know, which means you're not leaving the seat. You're just going to disassociate with yourself for a second while the needle goes in. And then you kind of come back. Like once the needle's in, you just kind of, okay, that wasn't so bad. So, so disassociation, victims of abuse though will, Sometimes we'll have issues with disassociation that are ongoing. Um, But for the rest of us, it's quite temporary when we disassociate. 
So what happens is once you're dissociated, so then the it, it becomes impossible to love and to express love. You can love from a deep level, but to express it and to be in loving relationships and nurturing like that, that, that was over. And so they showed the Nazi bastards, but they raised kids without all the love and, and connectivity that being self-associated. Cause if you're not, if you're dissociated with yourself there, you can't really bond with anybody. You can agree to live with someone. You can be partners and share a home and raise kids. And, but to really truly bond, requires you to be deeply in touch with yourself in only in this much. That's why it says, by the way, this is amazing vort for y'all. You know, love your neighbors yourself is you can look at it this way. Only in as much as you love yourself, can you love your neighbor? You understand it? Instead of saying that it's a, it's a command to love your neighbor as your, as you would yourself, which would not be a lot, you know, but it'd be, um, but it'd be, uh, it's a statement explaining how much you can ever love anyone. And the answer is you can only love anyone according to how much you love yourself. And let me explain why. Let me show you the anatomy of this. The reason it's like this is because think about it. If I, if I see myself pretty low on the scale, you know, like I see myself as a six, and then I suddenly meet this lady Ruchi or, or Chayasara or Yonina or whomever, Donna or Razel or Yiti or... Chaya or whoever is, what's your name on uh, 845? Someone's number ends in 5623. What's your name? I'll just put your name on this. First name, just your first name, please. Oh, they're muted. I unmuted. Sorry, I, I unmuted you. What's your first name? Hello, I'm speaking to you. 5623. Never mind. You never know how shy people are. It's unbelievable. Um, by the way, shy is not a, uh, everyone should know that shy is not a personality trait. Okay. Shy is a move we make to let people know to stay the hell away. You understand? Shy is protect yourself. So there's never been a shy person in the history of the world. There have been people who use shy to protect themselves and they live deeply isolated. By the way, there's no one, there's no such thing as a lazy person. Never been a lazy person, ever. There have been people who have a tremendous fear of failure. And, you know, if they can just do this whole lazy trick, you know, which is really a little spell you put on everybody. No one's going to ask you to do nothing. You know, you're, they're lazy. I'll ask someone who's not lazy. You know, you just get automatically skipped on being asked to do anything. And so it works perfectly. All the, these are all little life hacks, little tricks people do to, uh, to uh, survive. Now, the, um, so what happens is if I see myself as a six, how do I know Donna's not a seven in that? It could be intelligence, it could be looks, it could be, it could be, um, Sanctity, meaning meaning kedusha, holiness. It could be um, Torah knowledge. It could be worldly knowledge. Like when I meet you, when I live in your community, whatever. How do I? I only can. I can only. I'm not gonna word, word. I can only love you, so to speak. I can only love you in as much as I'm safe with you. You understand? So if I'm 
below you on some level of the scale. So then there, there's, there's contempt, not love. Then, then there's, you're going to find yourself very guarded around people. And by the way, you have to be guarded around all people. Why? Because you don't know them and all those people in your community, like, and, and you know, if you could only, wouldn't that be cool if there was a program where you could go online and find out everything about everyone in your community. And that way, you know, if you're at least above them in some category, such that you could love them. <laughs> so you'd feel safe around them. You know, but all of this is a joke, obviously, because the last words of are the words Ani Hashem. And that's the consciousness. That's your true self. And that has no, there's no scale. I mean, what, 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 am I higher or lower than, um, than, am I higher or lower than you, Ruchi, for example, Ruchi with the camera on? Am I higher or lower than you, Ruchi, on, as, as a Neshama? I'm unmuting you or I'm asking you to unmute. Am I higher or lower than you in, in Neshama? Which one? What, what my opinion is? No, not this, what your opinion is. Meaning uh, when you were in school and they taught you that we're all created, but Selim Elohim? The same. Yeah, that's the Neshama. So am I higher or lower than you in that? The same. Exactly the same. In intelligence... Maybe you're higher than me. Maybe I'm lower in, in looks and in, in all kinds of things. We're going to be on some kind of scale. You get that? But in true being. Now, what's being? Being is who you are. And that's the neshama. That's the true conscious. That's the conscious being that's listening to me right now. In true being, there's no scale. There's no scale. We're all we're one there. And, and, and the therefore, my need to be guarded... What's that, Danielle? So I have a question for you. Um, when you read Tanya, it talks about the garments of the soul and the quality of the soul. And it talks about it in realms of, of being different from one another. So how do you... Yeah, I'm, t- I'm talking about the soul without the garments. Good okay. question. Excellent question. That's why they're called garments is because, right, there's a garments and then there's n- not garments. Not, there's clothed and unclothed. So the, the neshama is unclothed. That's why it's good to do tshuva on all the machshava dibar maisa, which are the three garments of the soul, to do tshuva on anything you might have thought, said, or done that day, such that your, your, your garments of your soul are washed clean before you send your neshama back to shemayim for your hours of sleep. And the, anyway, but back to, back to our story is that is that what happened with, and I don't know if you're good at following all my different, because uh, they're not tangents, we're on one thing right now. So I'm going to go back to the post-war, the post-war community is, um, the post-war Hevra is that that disassociation caused them to look at the word love as if it were a four-letter word. You understand? They they turned love into a dirty word, and that's classic example of dis of putting a you know a, that's a tunnel number four way of looking at life, where you're going to um, where you're going to build hashkafa around dysfunction. Because if I don't have an I, remember we talked about disassociation. If I don't have an I, I don't I can't say I love you. You understand? If there's no I, there's no I love you. 
and we and we just went more details that in as much as my eye is healthy, can I love anyone? But if my eye is really unhealthy because of the war, so then I can send generations. You know, I meet kids. I meet kids who are great grandkids of of the of the survivors, and they're 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 just you know majorly affected by all this. It's come down the line. You know, I was at a I was at a um, a Hasidic Shabbaton, which is uh, was created by the graduates of this seminar. Um, you might have heard of it. It's called Shabbos Kerev Tuni. You've heard of Shabbos Kerev Tuni. It's like bigger than Project Inspire now in uh, Shabbatons. So my graduates of the View got together after the View and created it. They did it. Their wives did it. Did the View and then created Shabbos Kerev Tuni. And what happened was the um, I was at the I was at the Shabbaton. I'm you know I'm obviously at every Shabbaton because I don't really have the option. That's my only Shabbaton I do without pay. You know because it's like it's like my grandchild. The possibly is my child, and the Shabbos Kerbatoni is my grandchild. So so I was at it, and they and this couple comes up from Williamsburg, and and they. Uh, and this man is speaking really not nicely about his wife. I was shocked. I didn't know people could speak that way about their spouse, especially when she's standing right there. And anyway, he's going on and on. And she's turning red like a tomato. And it's, it was quite, I was quite embarrassed for her. Um, and then I finally said to him, so how long are the two of you married? And he says, married? We're not married. I'm like, who is this lady? So then I realized he's talking. This is like it must be his sister. And she's come to like, he says, I said, how long are you two married? And he says, married, we're not married. I said, so who's this lady? He says, oh, she, she's married to my mother-in-law. And I was like, mother-in-law? What do you mean by that? And, you know, I was really, I'm, because it's taken me a couple of years to learn the community, but I now, Baruch Hashem, I finally like can help people deeply in the community. So I'm like, what do you mean you're her mother-in-law? And he couldn't really explain it, but he told me that she's, you know, spending inordinate, she spends inordinate amount of time there. And, and so much of who she is, is through her mother. And anyway, but what I discovered was when the, when the Alta Bubba's after the war, who were then young girls, you know, and then they got married and then they, they, they had a daughter. So now they have a daughter. Now there's like, what's safer than a daughter for love? Like that's your, that's where your love's going to come from. It's going to come from your daughter because she's not going to bite you. You know, she's not a German shepherd. She's not some man, you know, she is your daughter. And so now you've got a safe place for love and, and you're, and then, you know, and then starts the pulling the love out, you know, which is instead of putting it in, it's pulling it out where it's like, you're going to, you're going to love mama. You're going to help mama. You're going to give mama nachas. You're going to take care of mama. You're going to, you know, and the child, it's in a little infant. It's just like, ah, you know, yeah, I, I, I need love. Like you need to build me, not pull whatever I got out of me into you, you know? And then, so what happens is the identity of the baby is stolen by the mother. And then the, uh, and then the so now that that girl who's identityless because of that that dynamic 
has a daughter and does it all over again to her daughters and sons sometimes. And the whole cycle just comes down the line. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about every family. I mean, there are, I've met people in Williamsburg, some of the most beautiful people I ever met who are triple, triple survivors. They survive with their body. They survive in their Yiddishkeit. Yeah, like my uncles did. That's all they got. And that, but I met people who, who even survived with themselves intact. All the Rebbe's, you think the Rebbe's that survived, the bub of a Rebbe, the, you think they lost themselves? They didn't lose themselves at all. They were, they were deeply anchored in self. And whatever they went through in the war was not through disassociation. You know, it was not survived through disassociation. Rebson Young Rice. Oh my gosh, she's the best example. I mean, wow. She was so intact. You know, she came out so loving. And and you'll notice something very interesting that the few who came back intact, um, you know, they're unique individuals, but the few that came back intact were in 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 Kirov. Many of them went in Kirov, which didn't make a lot of sense because the Kirov movement you know, should have been the last thing on their list, you know, but, but it, the many one, Rebbets and Young Rice lived, dedicated her life to Kirov. And there was a great Polisher Yid named um, Shalom, um, Shalom, um, no words. <laughs> He's a Ger Hasid. Anyway, dedicated his life to Kirov. Like he, it was money, but he, you know, you came to his Pesach Seder, you'd fly to Israel and have 200 people sitting in his Pesach Seder every year. You know, Shalom Mark was his name. Yeah. He had an amazing story. He, he lost his, you know, his parents, all his siblings, his wife, his kids, everything. I mean, he literally came out of the war alone, but he was such a, Neshuma that he was able to keep intact the whole time. And uh, again, like Rebison Young, I was just dedicated to Kirov. The reason I'm mentioning him is the interesting story is that, you know, they they were just pairing survivors up to marry. And so there was a girl girl and I'm sorry, a girl lady. And uh, she met him, you know, she was wearing like a haluk, you know, and they went out this post-war. So they went out. You know, he liked her enough. He married her. It turned out that she wasn't just some gara lady. She was the highest powered female lawyer in the entire U.S. A millionaire. <laughs> it's a very strange story. So they get married and, you know, mazel tov, mazel tov. And, and the next day he realizes she's off to work in Manhattan for one of the biggest law firms in the world. And she's, uh, you know, a partner and uh, of the most high-powered lawyers in the world. Anyway, next thing you know, the guy's a millionaire. Like, this Gary Chosid's a millionaire. So he took, you know, and she, she was such a, she's such a, Rebetzin Mark was such a, Leah Mark, she's such a tzedekist that she gave all the money to him, meaning that she was making. It's like she's her husband. He's her husband. You know, like, she didn't. She wasn't making him come up to her for, can I borrow $50? You know, he was like, she was like just so idle and, and, and traditional. And, and, the, and he 
drove them into this beautiful world of Kirov for years and years and years and years and years. Anyway, um, back to us. So, so Razy, even though that question, I decided to embellish a long time on that question because um, one of the reasons I'm, I'm feeling a little more free flow than I usually am on the first night because um, I don't even know if I would run the seminar for this many people tomorrow. Um, the seminar needs a certain group dynamic. It's not a, uh, it's not a lecture. And so, and so I am, I've decided, I decided when I noticed how few people were on today, I realized that I'm going to give a terrible class. And then, cause I just, not, I, it's just not going to drive me properly. And um, I'm telling you, I've had that two weeks ago, I had, I think 80, 80 women on the screen. Could you please know that it's not terrible and please know that we're all meant to hear this and that the words are, are amazing and you should know i'm telling you something personal i was actually crying on the friday night candles that i needed exactly what you're saying this is exactly what i was saying the thoughts i was realizing that the thoughts were overpowering whatever it was and mm. so you never know what's behind all, all of us women to hear this in this group setting <laughs> wait no we're great yeah uh, abigail we're great what i was saying was i uh, at the beginning when i saw how few women were here so I um I thought to myself this is going to come out terrible, <laughs> so so I decided that I'm just going to let it flow. So that's why I did 20 minutes on Razel's question, and I'm glad it's making a difference. Thanks for the feedback. Um, by the way, you're not going to leave here without knowing what the seminar is all about, and if everyone here commits to do it, um, it could be that we could still do it. Um, but I don't know if I would do it for um. I think there's seven of you on right now, uh, maybe eight. Um, uh, by the way, are any of you in for sure? Like, uh, uh, Ruchi, are you doing, uh, just give a, give, uh, let me know if you're in, are you, you don't even know. So, Razi, you know? Also don't know. And Donna, I don't know who Donna Bukhart uh, is. Are you? About 50-50. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah, are you in? And Avigal, you know if you're doing the seminar this week? I don't know anything about it. As I told you, I just saw it on Facebook. So I don't know right, anything that's about cool. the seminar. Yeah. And uh, I had no idea what so, I was doing when I was calling, uh, getting on here. I just figured it's managed mine. So I tried it out. Great. I'm so happy I use Facebook sometimes because I don't think much about Facebook. And then the last person, Mendelovich, I think it says. Who's that over there? Who's this Mendlo something or other? Oh, D Danielle, you doing this seminar? Oh, you're muted. One sec. I don't want you to, I don't want you to just give a, just wave your hand or something if you're doing it. Don't look at us. Okay. You're in. Okay. And, I've been um, waiting for it to come near me. So this is perfect. Okay, great. And uh, who is this person with the Mend? It just says Avram Mendlo. I don't know what that is. Can you say hi, please? Oh, I can't speak. I can't do the whole week. Oh, okay. Um, people who have to miss here and there, that's okay, too, because you are um, you can get the recording. And uh, we record everything. 
And Donna, you what did you say? I forget. Did I ask you? Fifty fifty. I want to hear more about what, how much, the time frame, and and the time and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's eleven. Uh, it's going to be eleven to one Eastern. Are you on the East Coast? I'm on the West Coast, and I'm sorry I was late. I thought it started at eight thirty, but it was eight o'clock. So. <laughs> uh yeah. It's eight. It's going to be eight to ten each day. Um, okay. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, eight to ten. Yeah. What city are you in? Seattle. Oh my gosh, you're in the news. Afraid <laughs> so. Is it true that they really took six blocks of the city? Yes, it's them true. Off? That's right. And they have guns keeping people out, and you have to have ID to get in. Downtown Seattle. I've been on Capitol Hill. I was there. I did a Shabbaton a year ago, and they showed me Capitol Hill. Yeah. I'm re- I'm really shocked. I mean, I'm not that shocked. I'm but. not. <laughs> So is there? Are they just gonna? Are they gonna confront them, or are they just gonna let them start the a new mayor, country? The mayor and the police chief are at odds. So I don't know who's gonna win out. The police chief wants the police to take back their uh, precinct, and the mayor doesn't want to touch it. She thinks it's just a block party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's definitely a block party. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been, you know, in my hippie days before I was observant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been in autonomous zones. Mm-hmm. I was actually at an in an autonomous zone in 1990, the year the Berlin Wall came down. Oh. Um, I was in an autonomous zone there, a a anti Mercedes protest, and I was living in the autonomous zone with all the trippy people in there. And here's the best part. You ready for this? The whole area where the autonomous zone was, meaning we had the autonomous zone, and then that whole area became Pink Floyd, The Wall's historic concert at the Berlin Wall. Wow. And we, were, we didn't even have to buy tickets. We were already in. <laughs> for the, for, the autonomous zone was within the grounds of the concert, which was a, you know mm-hmm. quite a historic moment. Anyway, I'm letting you know more about me than I let most people know. So, but since I hear you're in Seattle, I think you can handle it. Okay. So, (laughs) anyway, um, so let's get into some distinctions because what are we talking about before? What we're talking about is that, is that you in your life, you need to be a master of distinctions for life, just like a mechanic. It's a life and death thing for him to be or her to be. Dis- able to distinguish the parts of an engine so the people don't just go driving off into some building brake pads you know these are these are critical and so your life tools have to be critical so one let's just start with a real easy one we'll do uh four here's a real easy one just to get ourselves started is and i think you, the reason i'm saying it's easy is because i think you're all recognize this although you may blow it sometimes and i myself blow it sometimes but that's the distinction between what's said and what's felt Okay, we, we, people are saying things that imply certain feelings. That'd be blurring what's saying and what's felt. Because, for example, um, let's say my wife is angry at me. Yeah, and I'm married to a Jewish lady. That comes with, you know, a certain amount of uh, expression of frustration, to put it nicely. And, um, and so she says things. Now, I always know, I mean, I don't, I didn't used to know, but I finally got 
wise enough to discover that when she said more aggressive things, she wasn't feeling those things. She was feeling actually insecure. I might have been coming home really late that night or um, or she had been calling and I wasn't picking up. And uh, and so and so she, in defense, said stuff that sounded like she was that what she was feeling was angry. And there may have been some anger, but that wasn't really what was going on. The real feeling was was she was feeling um, insecure that that her husband had kind of fallen off the grid. You know, I was missing in action. And so. And so. If, if think about what's going to happen if I come home, she speaks aggressively and I go aggressive back thinking that, oh, she's she's coming after me, you know, like and now so I blur what's being said with what's being felt. And then I fall into that. What's it going to be like now? I mean, she, by the end of that argument, she's going to wish I was still outside the house, you know, because, you know, husbands are good at, at uh, grounding their, grinding their wives down to fine flour. And, you know, now how is she feeling? She went from, if that was insecure, you know, this is secure, that was insecure. And now I, I you know, grind her down to fine flour. Now you can't peel her off the floor with a spatula for insecure. You understand what's going on here? So, and, and ladies, you got to know, by the way, that your husbands, when you do do that, and that's called in the, in the world, it's called uh, fitness testing. It happens throughout many of the species in the world if the females fitness test the males. So to see which one's the, you know, the most viable one. It's part of anthrop, you know, just regular anthropology and like understanding of how species evolve. And, uh, and so the, uh, when you fitness test your husband, you have to understand he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> Poor guy, you know, and, and by the way, most of them don't fight, they flight. They're just going to go work more hours or they're going to go to shul for three hours or they're going to go to the bathroom for two hours. You know, they're just going to run away, which by the way, is that going to make you feel very secure? No. So so you got so most husbands don't even realize they're being fitness tested when they're being when they're being fitness tested which is a shame and I'm one of them I it took me years before I discovered what was going on there and and it's incredible how secure my wife is now you know unbelievable what's happened I mean a massive difference in her own well-being since I finally discovered don't don't get into it rather why don't you why don't you just offer some support here? No problem. Razor, you're, you're a good listener. So why don't you just offer some support to this person, to your wife, rather than uh, go into either, you know, flight mode or defensively fight mode. Anyway, the... Um, so that is... Um, so that's that's the first distinction I want to share. Second distinction I'd like to share, and this is a little more complex, and that's the distinction between acceptance and and um, approval, acceptance and approval. So we blur those two. Like, who do you wind up accepting in your life? Whoever you 
approve them. Like if you approve of somebody, well, they have earned your acceptance. Well, that's really, really bad news because first of all, as we spoke a bit about earlier with the, the scale of how we scale up to people is that, you know, how are you supposed to know what the standards of approval are of anyone you walk by on the street or meet or, you know, how are you supposed to ever know? And then, and then there's those you do know, like a mother-in-law or father-in-law or, or anyone, you know, or your, your spouse, like who says you meet their standard? And so if they have a, and you, they and you have a pr- approval and acceptance blurred. So then are you going to feel very safe around in your life? You're going to feel safe around your in-laws, not knowing if you're re- meeting the standard. And, and so, and also if you have them blurred, who says you're so safe? If you only accept people you approve of, well, you're pretty unsafe. Now, speaking of women, like I think each woman believes that their home's the safest place within a hundred miles, you know, for their children. But, well, if you have acceptance, if you have a proven acceptance blurred, your home ain't that safe. Your your kids, you know, your kids have have, uh, you know, especially, and you got to be careful in our generation where the streets look safe. What I mean by that is, the streets are so accepting. You know, it's America. Like America is the ultimate experiment experiment of acceptance, where they just put acceptance as the as priority A, B, and C. And so your kids see it. They live in a country where you're accepted with your crazy tattoos and purple shirts. And, and, uh, you know, you could have the, you know, you know, you could be a boy today, a girl tomorrow and go back to a boy the third day. And you're, you're just fine. You know, you're, so they, they're, you're living in the country of acceptance. And so, and it's, and so if your home isn't a home of acceptance, well, what starts looking safe? The streets. Streets look safer than your home. And so, and so that's why it's so important to not blur them. Now, what, what, there's a lot of implications here. One of those implications is that, is that you'll wind up, because we so deeply want acceptance, we will um, we'll actually, um, sadly, we will, um, we will lower our standards of approval to get acceptance. You understand? And that's, and you're going to breach your own inner contract with yourself so that someone can accept you. You know, like you're, why would you drop your own standards for acceptance? You know, that's not, that's not appropriate. You know, you can keep your standards and be very accepting. That's all. And, and no, it might be the other person's the issue, but I don't know. Someone, someone sends something on the chat. So I'll just take a little look here because it disappears. This is from, uh, can you at least give us your first name, uh, whoever Avram Mendelovitz is, because I just have a feeling that's a woman. What can a wife do if the husband is constantly in flight mode and the wife is drowning in pain by now? Oh, wow. Um, So I have many couples that I'm working with like that as we speak. And... um, it's uh, it's a little too broad uh, uh, for our group right now for me to go into that. That's a uh, that's a pretty serious situation. Um, I can tell you, if it gets bad enough, you threaten. 
you know, that he either he either starts dealing with himself in the relationship or else you're out of there, you know, and you're not going to put up with it. The fact that you tolerate is why it's gone on so long. Um, so so you'd have to put your foot down and, and get him back, keep kicking and screaming to do his work and why intimacy is so scary for him. Um, oh, you know, it's very funny is... Uh, um, my the have you ever seen a product in America called You Love Fruit? No. It's these little like coin shaped. Uh, it's like fruit leather, but these little coin shaped, delicious, you know, real all natural fruit things. Anyway, it says You Love Fruit, and the love is a heart. You know, it's the icon. So the uh, it's got an Ada hexure, and the the. the and the the Ger Hasidim said, "We'll we'll only take it to our communities if you get rid of the heart, because you know what that heart means, don't you?" Yeah, I don't know either. I think it must mean porn shop to this group of Polish Hasidim. But uh, but they, remember we were talking about we were talking about dysfunction. I mean, I remember we were, what were we talking about? We were, uh, uh, self delusion. Self delusion is where you create a story around you know, dysfunction, tunnel number four. Anyway, so regarding husbands who are running, um, I'll tell you one thing that's probably important for you to hear, whatever your name is, is um, one thing, you can put a fake name too, you know, I'll call you us, I'll call you Suri. (laughs) Um, So so one thing you can do, Suri, is... um, stop doing what's not working <laughs> i mean that's it's like don't be a broken record you know like uh, whatever is not working just do not do any more of that because that's causing more and more resentment you know it's like parents who are trying to get their kids to do stuff and they're just not doing it you get so resentful but how about trying a new way you know like instead of just repeating your what's not working so that that i can give you advice is to do that um now, I noticed you put it all on your husband. Right when I was in the middle of a topic that was about you fitness testing him with aggression. So um, you might want to take out your fangs, you know, and and soften your approach such that he might feel a little safer around you. But again, as I said, I don't know enough details of the situation to know if you're actually being sweet or you're wearing fangs and pointed ears like some Halloween goblin, you know? So, so I don't know enough of your story to know how to answer this for you in a generic answer. All right, uh, moving on. So acceptance and approval. I uh, just want to mention, since most of you are in U.S., and especially uh, Donna in Seattle, is that the is that there's you can also go the opposite way wrong, meaning... America that makes acceptance so important. So they believe that they blur them also. So not only do you have to accept everyone, you also have to what? Approve. Yeah. So now there's like, now there's no such thing as right and wrong because we're so into acceptance. So the standards of approval, because what is approval? Approval is you meet the standards or you don't. You meet them, approval. You don't meet them, disapproval. 
So what, but if acceptance and approval are blurred and you've made acceptance like the, you know, the national anthem. So, so then, you know, after a while there, there, there's no such thing as right and wrong. And then the whole moral, um, the moral uh, substructure that societies are built on disappears. And now we're witnessing the actual um, deterioration of a whole country. You know, I never thought in my lifetime I would see the U.S. rot from within. I didn't think it would. It would. You know, I didn't think it would happen this fast. I guess maybe I believed it could because I know the principles of a, of moral substructure in societies. I've studied that stuff, and I know that every society is built on certain um, tenets. Like, for example, the the uh, the um, uh, the the inalienable um, sanctity of the individual, which is, you know, a very Judeo value. And, um, but that means individuals are important. But you'll notice that all this is group politics. You know, they're very into group politics. Well, that's, that's what killed 70 million people in, under Stalin. It was group politics. And then that, you know, and then and that was, they caused the destruction of everything they had until Stalin finally got in control of everybody and then wound up, you know, having, he killed 70 million people in the process. And then that itself rotted because it, it wasn't built on the moral structure that holds societies together. And so when a society loses its moral structure, that's when you call nefesh benefesh. Um, it's an Aliyah organization that just makes it really simple to move to Israel. But the, the second you see the substructure go, now I said this, by the way, a decade ago. I'm just saying I'm shocked it's today because I was thinking more like, I was thinking more like 2050 or 2050. Like, I think more 2050 is like, then we'll see that it's effects and the thing's going to just, then you'll see it rot. And, but I did tell people to beware that because we're seeing the moral substructure, and that's why genders are no longer binary in those societies. You know what I mean? Like everything's binary. You know, there's everything's every plant's male or female, every dolphin's male or female, every you know, every human's male. Like everything's binary. God created the world binary. But when human beings have lost male and female amongst you know, that humans aren't male or female, but it's choice. So then so then you've lost the very binary nature of it. You're at you're in a war now with creation itself. And so you know you've lost the substructure. And that's when you, by the way, calling nefesh benefesh and opening a teak and at least getting your red tape done, because that's their job. Their job is to make it as, because Israel's pretty bureaucratic, used to be anyway, but it's not as so bureaucratic anymore. But Israel was very bureaucratic, bureaucratic so a lot of people didn't make aliyah because they just didn't want to deal with it. The paperwork, the bureaucracy. So nefesh benefesh was formed to take over the bureaucracy for you. So you could just move to Israel with almost painlessly free flight to free flight um, money to back you till you're on your feet, um, help you figure out the perfect neighborhood jobs is amazing. Nefesh, nefesh. Anyway, the, uh, but you can still do all the work with Nefesh. Nefesh. It doesn't mean you have to leave the U S it just means that they already know who you are. They have everyone's passports. They know exactly what's going on with you. They know where you should ideally be. Like everything's set up and then they're done. Then they close, then they, they have that teak, they put it aside 
And then whenever you want to make Aliyah, whether it's next week, whether it's 20 years from now, there um, you're not stuck. You, you literally can be on the next flight out with your entire family and um, everything on lifts, meaning everything, you know, you can still leave with your stuff. <laughs> Let's say you don't have to just come with the shirt on your back. Anyway, thank God that you guys should just be blessing Hashem and thanking Hashem that they have no idea who, who the observant Jews are. You understand? That's like your greatest blessing. That they have no idea. You, you got to hope they do not find out who the Jewish people are. Meaning on the observant. The observant ones. The second ones they know. They're like, they're championing the group the group identity politics and all that. But the observant ones, oh my gosh. It's like, take every value of these people burning their cities alive. Every value they have, go to the exact polar opposite of that value, and that's the observant Jews. And if they ever find out that what you think, if they were ever to find out what you think, man, there's no lock strong enough on your door. And so, so it's crazy that, that the U.S. is like going up in flames right now. While there's the people that they keep burning, you know, who are they burning? Because some restaurant gave a like about a tweet that was like not pro-Floyd protest. And he only liked it. And now everything he ever built was burned to the ground. And meanwhile, that guy could have the same politics as the rest of them. But if they found out about the Jews, you know, they would just like, God forbid, you know. And they're already doing this everywhere they go. It's like a it's like a steamroller on fire, burning everything in its in its sight. And I don't know if you saw the news, but they another white officer killed another black man at a Wendy's burger place, and the they just burned it to the ground. And who knows what's going to come up now? Meanwhile, who knows how many white people were shot by white or black cops in the last week? There were several, by the way, and probably and statistically it would have been more than blacks in a week were killed by uh, officers. Because all of this is has nothing to do with George Floyd, zero. Zero to do with George Floyd. This is a country rotting and found its excuse how to rot it and then and then rebuild it based on the uh, on the these narratives that are super dangerous proven every single time every time humanity has gone with that this particular narrative all hell breaks loose and so we're finally at that time again which is not so bad after 70 you know how long since the war 45 it ended 75 years. 72 yeah 75 years now about yeah 75 years so so uh, it's been uh, it's been a great run for sure. We've had a great run. Um, by the way, someone asked me once in a class. You know, I teach Torah. I'm a Rav. So someone asked me in a, one of my classes. He said, "How did we get such a run? Jewish people since the destruction of the Second Temple have never had this long a run without having to go through hell. You know, meaning a, a whole other giant crazy ordeal." So they asked me, "How did we go so long?" And I said, "Because this was my answer. It came up on the spot. I don't know if it's true." But the reason we were able to go so long is um, is because 
you know, ultimately, if you look in the Torah, it says Mashiach's going to come. So we're going to have Mashiach at the end of days. And so, and so given that Mashiach's coming at the end of days, you have to, you have to rebuild Israel. You know, you got to rebuild the country so that we can actually, we have to have somewhere to go. Like you, you can't just put them into a desolate desert with no water or electricity or anything. You know, there's millions of Jews of some 13, 14 million Jews. They got to be somewhere. And so, and so what does God do? He puts, he puts Zionism into the minds of these secular, totally, you know, um, totally uh, uh, enlightened, you know, the Haskalah, Has- they're called Maskilim in Judaism. So they, they <laughs> give them this crazy, 1920s, give them a Zionist bug to come build the state, which is the funniest thing, because they were like, they were trying to be as much like the Gentiles as they could possibly be. Why would they suddenly like go for the Zionist movement? But they like, it, it worked. Like God just put the bug in them. You can see Donna's flag right over her head. Yeah. And uh, she's flying the flag and uh, he puts the Zionist bug in them. And then all of a sudden it's like, it wasn't just the Haskalah, the enlightenment from 120 years previous, but now it's the Haskalah plus a mitzvah, one mitzvah, Yeshavar, which is wild. Like, like why would they choose a mitzvah all of a sudden? But they grab this mitzvah, Yeshavar. And they built, like I said, tunnel four, the Ashkafa was, you know, the, the it was going to be the, uh, what was it called? The solution, the final solution. The final solution was Nazis, right? So this was called, it had another name for it, but it was like the answer for the Jewish people, the wandering Jew getting slaughtered everywhere they went. And so they, that was their hushkafa behind it. Meanwhile, God did that. They build the country. They have, you know, they have a negative birth rate like Sweden. You know, Israel has a negative birth rate amongst the, the builders of the state. The secular people have a negative birth rate. Yeah, it's crazy. Like they, they, they're like almost don't exist anymore. There's not even you. Sh- you should see. By the way, Donna on the streets now. Today, I'm here 30 years. 20 for the first 20 years I was here. There would be a lot of discussions over like who gets the land. The last 10 years, they're like, they, they're just kind of like, well, we should probably live it up until the, until all these people with black hats take over. Because they even during these this hour that we're together. There will be uh, three out of four births in the country will be from observant Jews. And it's more than three out of four now. Something like four out of five births. And so, you know, we don't even discuss it. In the last 10 years, people stopped talking about it anymore. It's just like, let's make this place as fun as possible. <laughs> and, the, and it's really fun now. I mean, there's bands everywhere playing and they're legalizing marijuana. And they're like, you know, meanwhile, the, the, the Torah community is like oblivious to these giant concerts going on and the and the the liberalism of israel is like you know because it's, it's a, Can I ask a just, question? yeah um you're talking about mashiach coming like 75 years ago everybody was convinced that's the time now everybody's saying now's the time um how do how do we talk to our kids about it as far as this time he's really coming or this time no, I don't do that. Talk. I don't do that. Mashiach's coming. I don't do it at all. So I would not do it. I don't do yeah. it. Besides saying animamin that God that Mashiach could come every every minute. Besides yeah, but, that, I don't go. I don't bring up Mashiach so much. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Because my mother passed away now with this Corona. Um, mm, so everybody that came to Shiva was like, "Oh, now he's actually coming. Now he's actually coming." What we noticed was nobody who lost a parent 
said that. Nobody's what? So, nobody who lost a parent actually said that now he's coming because they've heard it too. So my question is, how do you talk to I have siblings that are still we don't We don't bring it up. But but they 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 sing that song. Which song? Meaning they they they're busy. Honey, like, mommy. Yeah, no, like now he's actually coming because we can't go to tomorrow without mommy, and now he's actually coming. Do we just let them uh, sing? That I see. Song it's or? become it's become like uh, how to get strategy. through how to get through yeah. things. How to yeah. get through this? Yeah, because that's what everybody's uh, saying. Uh huh. Oh, that's interesting. Um. Yeah, because that's no comfort. Right. So, um, well, certainly there's a lot of alternative ways of comforting somebody besides that. And, and the, um, you know, that's, that's just not one I would ever even think to fall onto. Um, right. So, but let's say I have so, a 16 year old sister that's yeah. only busy, like, it has to be that he's coming. I, I can't continue without it. You don't want to tell her, nah, that's not what you should, like, go by your day with. Or you don't want to sound like you're not believing. You know what I mean? How do you how do you dress that? Um, you, um, one sec. I'm not gonna be able to think for a second. I just noticed the computer that I'm on said low battery, which would put us in some serious trouble here. Okay, and that's not a battery. It's I mean I, this is my son's <laughs> studio, so like, <laughs> which one's the battery? Um, you know, it's probably even worth me getting him on the horn real quick. Hey, Siri, call of Rummy Glazer on speaker. Calling of Rummy Glazer, mobile on speaker. Is there anything obvious here? There's a little something. No. Okay. Hey, Tzadik. Um, is there... Um, is the the laptop suddenly came on with your batteries running low? You might want to plug in your PC. Do you know where? Are you still yeah. Do you need anything? Oh, I don't know where that is. What that is? I I thought it was plugged in. Which one? There's top left cable. Follow it. Top left. That's that thick one made of bod. Yeah, follow it. Following it. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I have a extension cord in there, like uh, one of those Nifatan things. You can just put it in there. If it's not. Um, I'm trying to follow it. It goes to that big box. Just follow that box. Oh, oh. Floor behind the... oh that big box. Okay, I got the big box. Now I'm following another cable. Uh, it's plugged in, bro. The big box is plugged in. Plugged in? Yeah. So maybe the wire got bent a little or something? The one that's connected into the computer? Okay. Let me un. Can I unplug it and replug it? Right. 
Switch is lit up, Abram. What? The switch is lit up. I don't know. Uh, it, was not, it was a little unplugged. We're good. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, yeah, so so um, just to answer your question, Rochi, you should tell, tell your 16-year-old daughter, sister, sister. Tell your 16-year-old sister that um, what would be more important than, um, than hope would be to honor her pain. And then she'll feel hope naturally. Her hope will come once she's released all the pain in her heart. And to, to mask the pain with, with hopefulness is, is a dubious... Um, sorry, I'm using fancy words. To mask the pain with um with hopefulness which is all the mashiach business is anyway right meaning meaning mashiach is coming but like she's just using it as as to mask her pain with hopefulness so just tell her like to mask it right now with hopefulness is um is you know if you really need to do that you can do that but but what we, where your true hopefulness will come from will be when you've washed your soul clean through um, really embracing and acknowledging the pain in your heart. And, How do you release okay. the pain? <laughs> so so uh, you guys are after Shiva? Uh, it's after Shloshan, really. So how do you release the pain? Um I personally, if if I know what I do, I mean, I'll tell you what I do. I mean, I do several things, but but if let's say I'm just kind of stuck for time, so and I need to release a lot of pain, so I know a person who's a therapist, who um, it's a woman, and I go to her, and she doesn't say a word. I just go in there. I know because I'm you know pretty advanced on my emotional intelligence. I just need someone to kind of hold the space for me it's called holding space i need someone to hold space for me so i can just let it all out and um and by the way i have other people who can hold it but i'd rather just pay someone you know 150 bucks to hold the space and then i and and by the way good therapists of which i would consider myself one is i can if that person like think about it is someone holding the space for your 16 year old sister is not going to do nothing you need someone who not only can hold space, but can bring her down the rabbit hole of the pain to let her, to give her a place to go down there and really cry it out all the way. Do you know anybody in the States that does that? Um, all my facilitators, I have a whole staff of women that are facilitators. My whole staff can do that. So you could hire one for her. Or yourself. I actually, I actually wanted one for my different sister. She said she only does the possible graduates. Oh, yeah, I've heard some of them say that. I, I don't mind saying. Do you have WhatsApp, Ruchi? Yeah. Send me a WhatsApp, and I'll try to get one of them to, to under the circumstances. Maybe she'll, she'll uh, 
acquiesce. I mean, it's a tall order to take a 16 year old, but uh, here's the, uh, here's my number. Anyone can take my WhatsApp. Oh, you have my WhatsApp. Okay. For anyone who, anyone who doesn't, it's uh, for Donna. If you want to be in touch, if you need anything, it's a 972 plus one plus nine seven two five two eight three four four six six four thank you and um anyway so just to finish that topic i was on is that the is that because the jews are going to need somewhere to go i mean we literally it's a very practical i don't think i have to tell women there's a practical issue here of like, where do we put everyone and where do we put all our stuff, you know, and, and you know, where are we all going to stay, you know? So, so what happened was they just, and by the way, this all happened after the war, people flew, some people came to Israel after the war, not just some, like almost as many went to us came to Israel and the place was pretty well built for that to receive them. But there's a much bigger Aliyah coming in with Mashiach and we need to get this place ready. And so, and so this, I'm just giving you my answer when someone said, why have the Jews been let off the hook after 2000 years of never having more than a decade or two of peace? Why have the Jews been let off the hook for this amount of time? And so my answer was, is because right now we're building the homeland so that when they come home, there will be where to go and the system will be set up for them. Um, But since you heard me say this, I'm, you're the first people I'm telling this to is make sure you call Nefesh Benefesh and get all your, get all your stuff done with them. I'm telling you, you don't, they're not going to bother you. You can tell them like, this might be 10 years from now. You know, it's not like they're going to be like, Hey, what happened? You're Aliyah. That's not what's going on. You're, you're just saying you want yourself set up and you tell them that when you call them, you say, you say, I don't know when we're going to go, but, but we want to at least be ready. And they'll, they'll set up a teak and because it's not simple to move your family to a country. At least get all the stuff you can get set up done before, it, you know, before you're really in, in a stress. And the chances of it being extremely stressful to move here are very high because, the, because our sages teach us that everything we went through leaving Egypt is what's going to happen in the end. So the fact that the fact that we didn't have time for our bread to rise, you know, you believe me, you know, you're not going to have your outfits with you, you know, that you're, you're going to be leaving with a shirt on your back and a couple sandwiches and bags. Yeah. So, so that's called Bechipazon in Lashon HaKadosh that we left in such a hurry from Egypt. It's called Bechipazon. So, so 100% for sure that when Mashiach comes, it's going to be a panic. And it's going to be a hundred percent for sure. So, so whatever you can do to make it not a panic, why wouldn't you? You know, like make it a non-panicked experience. You can do that now. You can't do it later. And and the and there's a whole organization set up to make sure that when the world goes into panic, you're not in panic. You're you're all set up. Everyone's taken care of. All the documents. Everything's done. And then you and then you just call them and you say, "We want the next flight." Just letting you know, they're very behind. We've tried it among other people who are trying to do Nefesh. Right like, now they're behind because they're being completely bombarded, but they're going to hire more staff and, and get their act together. They just, they didn't realize they have some like, like in all the years they've been running, they have like, like 800% more requests than ever. So they're, they're like, they don't, they don't know exactly right now what to do with themselves. But 
I think in the next couple of weeks, they're going to have their, have themselves put together. What did they say to you when you called? Abigail. Oh, there's absolutely no answer. So we've been writing and no answer. And then I'm a, I started to chat with other people who were interested in Aliyah and um, they're all saying the same thing. Uh, unless you have a date within the next three months that you're going to move for sure, they're not, no answer. Ah, so they're not doing the regular stuff. No. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, they're, they're probably, they probably will again, but not yet. Because they're, they 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 don't know what to do with themselves right now. Right, they they're, just added a flight for some people, uh, Olim, uh, but that's it. They're not really responding to anyone at this point. And then besides mm -hmm. the postal and all that that they're requiring, a lot of them are closed, and you can't do any of the as you called it before the bureaucratic paperwork, and uh, so you can't really do. Wow, well, <laughs> that's that's crazy. Yeah, I remember when uh, when Ben Gurion was closed because of this, the 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 Aza people were lobbing rockets so randomly, and some of them were getting quite close, so they closed flights. So I, my brother called me and he said, he said, you know, all of us in Chutzlars, my brother's in LA. He said we all just believed that if things got bad, we'd fly, we would just fly there. And I'm like, well, good luck. It's closed. You know, there's nowhere to go now. So, so the, uh, if, we, if, if things got really heavy, you know, it's like that whole thing that we're going to fly to Israel is we've already seen, um, now with the Gaza rockets and we saw it with Corona that, sorry, Charlie, it's closed. No planes, you know? So it's like everything everyone's kind of using as their, their insurance policy of why they get to still live in Schmutzlaritz is, um, <laughs> is, you know, it's really not that much of a given, you know. You know, with the Scuds, it, they had very uh, low rates, low fares, but they still kept the fares. During the Scuds? Yes. Wow. You're dating yourself. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> 29 Sorry, years ago. No. <laughs> uh, 29 years ago. So okay. actually, I'm not. It's just I'm borrowing someone's iPad. I'm not the Bobby. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but I'm glad you're a Bobby. I'm a Zadie also. Now, the um, so so acceptance and approval. Let's go to the next distinction. The next distinction is um, doing and being. And doing is the dimension of everything you do. And that can be like, for example, if, if you look at the screen, um, Moshe, this is women only. Are you coming on as for a woman or? <laughs> Are you with your wife at least? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's here. I'm going to give it to her. <laughs> I don't want to. Okay, you're scared. Just give me another first name. I'll put another first name on the screen. Okay. How do you spell it? M-A-L-K-Y. Oh, it's Malky. M-A-L-K-Y. Yep. Got it. Okay. I still have a, a woman named Avram on the screen here. But she didn't, re she didn't respond. Malky. Okay. So, um, yeah. The, so there's, there's, there's being... And uh, there's being, doing, and there's being. Now, now, for example, you see me on the screen. I'm sitting here talking into a computer. That's what I'm doing. You can video that stuff. 
you're sitting and listening. Okay, that's doing. Being is is who you are deep down in your inner voice of who how you you know how you speak yourself your self talk. That's your being. Okay? So so someone can be being. You know, so it, so you will find that if I'm be, if my being is uh, not good enough, let's say, that's a common one. People feel they're not good enough. So what you'll find in my doing will be that I'm going to be overdoing it all the time. You know, to let everyone know I'm good enough. But I'm going to get more and more exhausted. And I'll ask you, uh, Donna, what do you think? Do you think it works that someone who's overdoing it to be good enough? Yeah. Do you no. think it ever works? <laughs> No, people yeah. who overdo it, I tend not to really want to be their close friend. <laughs> so, They're so clean. The, uh, uh, right. So, but uh, that you're talking in relationships. I'm talking about oh. not good enough generally under the category of uh, one's endeavors, meaning their personal performance is they're never good enough. So they're going to be the one who's likely, if they're fight, there's flight and fight. So in fight, they're probably going to overdo it. In flight, they're just going to never commit to anything. You know, so that they never get exposed for being not good enough. And um, anyway, but either way, if they go for the o- overdoing, they're going to be totally exhausted. So my question was actually something else is, does it ever work? Do they ever feel good enough with all their doing, 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 doing? No. Yeah, it never works. And so it's like a carrot. Sorry, my nose is getting tickled by my mustache here. <laughs> Problem, there's no barbers now. <laughs> so... <laughs> I finally just did my own mustache so it doesn't come off in apples, but I, I didn't do a great job. Um, the, um, so the doing, uh, the overdoing just makes more and more exhaustion. You never get to the being. And, and, and we live in a society where they think doing leads to being. So they think like, if you just do, 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 you're going to be, 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 be. But when you just do, 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 what you wind up with is do, do everywhere. And they'll put on your tombstone done because they, because, you know, you just, it doesn't lead to more being, you know, if, if I went through, you know, the, I have like 14,000 contacts on this thing. If I went through all those contacts, that you will find a direct correlation with the biggest doers and the lowest well-being. And the, and when you get to my like non-doers on the list, they're probably living spot or something or Seattle or something, you know, just kidding. When they, when I get to my non-doers, you'll find their well-being is the highest of the group. Like the, now, by the way, you can be just as busy as the doers with high well-being, but you better get into the being part. And that's what the possible is all about is what are you saying deep down, deep down, down the rabbit hole? What are you saying inside about yourself? What are you saying in there? And, and when you get in touch with that, then all of a sudden you understand that you created a whole personality of the, in the doing world. When I say personality, think about it. An overachiever is a personality type, right? That's the personality world. So you've created a personality or the underachiever, the quitter, or the one who's just going to not take any responsibility. That's a personality type. It's letting the world know you're telling the world very clearly, like, don't ask me to do anything. Yeah, don't ask me. And so, and so the, the being, whatever issues I have in being that I'm covering up with either fight or flight, 
you know, either I'm overdoing it or I'm underdoing things so that no one ever asks me to do anything. So, so that in the end is, is, is going to lead to just more and more of the negative states of being. It's not going to fix it. It's not Arbidin Machfrei. Yeah, and that it said over Auschwitz's, you know, gate, it said, work makes free. Doing leads to being. No, no, it's a death camp. And every human being I've met in my life, with the exception of some extremely well-worked individuals who have done deep, 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 deep work, but almost every person I ever meet has heavy stuff in their being, heavy stuff that they've never really even dealt with. And they've created a whole personality that it's like a cap that like, you know, seal seals the being with by having created a whole decoy personality of being of doing. Meaning meaning I'm this guy or that gal or whatever, and that's who I am. So everyone interacted with me based on all that. Um, to mask the negative statements of being, which are forbidden to say about anybody. Why would you say it about yourself? We all know you're not allowed to speak that way about a person. What, you're not a person? Like you're different. What is all that? What are all those 60,000 thoughts, especially the ones that are about you, that have led you to have to, which aren't even, none of that's true anyway. It's all, it's just garbage talk that came from not getting picked for a play or, you know, like embarrassed when it was your turn to read or, or something happened in the family that was like, you know, God knows what went on there. And, and now you're the kid of that family. And, and now you're this, you know, or, or you were a little shorter than everybody else. And therefore you got a little picked on and then you started developing this victim voice. And now you're like doing you know, you're doing all this stuff to be somehow not the victim. But of course, you know, once you're spraying victim, you're going to you're gonna be punched real soon. You know, like, don't expect much when you're spraying victim. Because what we radiate, what we spray into reality is, is the being. Okay, that's all the thoughts. That's the being stuff. The being stuff's really preceding us everywhere we go. And so you can say and do whatever you want. In the end, the being's driving it. And it's all sealed in the bottle So by all that doing. So, so you, the chances of you um, continuing with that and never getting any other results is super high. I would bet on it. And that's why I created the possible you is because I created a way to break people through this. Is it like an al- alcoholic where you always have to do these um, tools to break out of the victimhood is what you're saying? Or is it just once you graduate it through this course, then you're done? Yeah, it's graduate and done with that particular being that you chose to work on. We're going to be very specific starting tomorrow night on what it is exactly we're going to be focusing on to, uh, to, to, um, to break through. So yeah, once you've broken through that, you've broken through that. Um, it's very, very different than what the uh, addictive addiction 12-step programs. This is very different. And in fact, um, um, a lot of the 12-steppers are, are not happy about this seminar. Because whereas they start their 
you realize you you're not even allowed to start speaking at 12 steps without saying hi i'm you know i'm suri and i'm an overeater now you can't be an overeater you can overeat that's doing and you can say i'm worthless and therefore overeating the wrong foods and making yourself into a human garbage dump are you know that's possible for someone who sees themselves as garbage meaning worthless so overeating's an easy thing to do but who you are is not an overeater first of all overeating's doing so you can't be your doing you understand if i'm riding a bike yeah you might tell your kid oh careful the biker okay but i'm actually a human being on a bike i'm not I'm a human being on a bike. I'm not a biker, okay? I happen to be riding a bike right now, but later I might be playing with my kids, you know, and, and, or maybe helping with dinner. And so, so now what am I, at dinner? <laughs> so so, the, so the, the, um, the doing and the, and the being are... Um, Wait, we were going somewhere deeper just now. I want to go back to that. I'm just a little confused. When you said you're not an overeater, you overeat. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Wait, wait, Avigal, keep your question. Just hold on. Sure. You just brought me back to I was going a little deeper. So who I am is definitely not an overeater. That's the doing. But it's also not worthless. Because that's not not true. And so that's why the 12, this is not 12 steps. Because who I am is unique and special beyond beyond belief and in fact i'll probably never even get i'm speaking about you right now so imagine you're saying this i'll probably never even get in my lifetime to the depth of how beautiful i am being created by god himself i'll probably never even get there god forbid i ever call myself anything other than awesome and so and so that's who i am and and you no, know, I don't overeat now. And so, and I've gotten those results with all these different addicts who are addicted to certain things because of those horrible statements in being that has allowed them to smoke that cigarette or take those drugs or, or but again, this seminar is not. This is this is not built at all for people with serious issues. People with serious issues, I'm like, I'm like. You can come, I guess, you know, just don't like explode on everybody in the middle. You know, like the, the, I, I tell people like, go get some therapy before you come to the possibly. Possibly is high level work. And, uh, and it's group works, which means like, don't, don't come uh, explode on all of us. You know, we're going to have to wear hazmat suits to the event, you know? So now, by the way, I'm saying that facetiously, obviously for every 30 people at a seminar, the seminar average, let's say 25. So, if you're in a room of 25 people, um, you bet five of them are like, whoa, they're like six feet under with such heavy issues. But that's okay. I, I don't, I, you know, I'll, I have a whole coaching staff in the room and they know the second those ones, you can't hide it. So once that starts coming out, my staff's immediately going to just take such amazing care of them. I have my staff ready for them. So as much as I say, you know, Go do some other work before you come to this. I, I know they're going to be there and they're always going to be there. And if I don't let them be there, they're going to lie and be there. So, so they're there, which is fine. And when they share, it's, 
heart-wrenching and beautiful and everyone and even the people with much less issues it's the same themes so so like all the people who actually are okay they're um they still have those voices they just may not be it may not be worthless but it might be ugly or it might be um dumb or it might be um incapable you understand so it's it's uh it's it's kind of good to have someone who exploded with some heavy, heavy background. Um, anyway, but that's not, the seminar is built for, for healthy people. Abigail, you want to mention something about that subject? Yeah, it was just not clear, like you're saying, not to say that you're an overeater, but that you overeat. So I'm just wondering when mentioning that, you know, you're a victim and get rid of that. So why is labeling an overeater not okay but labeling as a victim okay like i'm just confused about that because a a victim will do things like um a victim will do things like um get aggressive around people who will likely punch them or she'll um or she will send out unconscious vibrational energy that will um that would uh, make a potential assaulter recognize her in a group of 50 people in a, at a wedding. They're, they're going to, um, so the, the victim was being, victims of the being, the doing of the victims going to be um, some other thing that you could video, just like the overeater, you could video them fressing. So, so you, your question isn't comparing things properly because, because uh, victim was a being, whereas the overeater had worthless. You could, uh, you could ask a question about worthless versus victim. Or you could discuss the difference between someone who's acting aggressively, which is going to be smelled out by someone who loves to punch people, and they're going to find them and punch them. So that's the... Uh, that's, you know, I'm not clear. The, the victim is also feeling worthless, so I'm not clear. Um, w- the victim is not feeling worthless. The victim, and by the way, you're using the word feeling. I'm, <laughs> I'm like a, I'm like a mad scientist, Abigail, <laughs> and I distinguish things. So we're not discussing any feelings here. So we're not on feelings. We are on I am statements. They bring up a ton of feelings. Oh, my gosh. But the feeling wouldn't be victim. The feeling would be maybe sad or lonely or hurt. You understand? I'm just, uh, this seminar gives you mastery in distinguishing things. For example, the difference between victim and the feelings that the victim's feeling. And, and victim's not worthless. Although a worthless person might find themselves a victim. You know, but then they have two voices. They have worthless and victim. So I know people who have worthless and they're not victims. I know people who have victims and they don't have worthless going on. And so, but, but I've got plenty of people who have worthless and victim. Both. Um, you have approximately, every person has approximately somewhere between 20 and 30 major um, being voices, negative ones. 20 to 30. Like I could tell you some of mine, I have uh, unacceptable, I have, um, I have uh, incapable, I have a little boy, that one my father triggers kind of, um, I have uh, unsafe, 
Um, you know, but I could list you about 50 more that, or 100 more that I don't have. You know, it all depends on your upbringing. And also there's family dynamics. You know, there's dynamics in the home that can bring them up. Excuse me. So so the in the possible you, what we're going to be doing is um, is neutralizing all those voices. And once you neutralize that voice, so then you're doing, you know, you can still do the stuff you do, but you don't have to do it in such a toxic way. You can do it in a very clean way. And um, so I see life as like... A, is like, you know, you're like driving in your car and you can drive with clean fuel, having got it serviced with the oil filters clean and, you know, and uh, fresh motor oil and you can live life very clean. And, you know, you drive a car of 30 years without taking it in for a check tune up. I mean, it's just a disaster. There's black smoke coming out the back, but I wish that were all. It's not just this black smoke coming out the back. You drive 30 years in a vehicle without bringing it into the possible you style work. You're going to have, you know, because the, the muffler goes all the way along the, the pipe that takes out the smoke, goes all the way along the bottom of the car. Well, 30 years, it gets corroded, it gets corrosion. After a while, it gets holes in it. So instead of it sending the smoke out the back, it's sending it into the cabin, which is where your kids are sitting. And you know your kids are getting your smoke. You know that. Don't pretend they're not. Don't pretend the safest place is your home. Okay? And they, we all have to take serious responsibility of our consciousness for and, our, and the tools of life. Like Just like the mechanic has serious responsibility and so does the surgeon and so does the musician. <laughs> Maybe a little less than the musician. But, the, but there's serious responsibility in professions. But who says you're allowed to live your life and be, not be a professional? How dare you? There's people whose lives are on the line and require your level, you know, level of precision. Yeah, you get that, Yiti. Yeah, you, you need to be precise. And, and um, yeah, Danielle, you understand, like, like you're going to have to have mastery and precision. I would love to. I'm yeah, an attorney, else, and I, I, I would yeah. hope I have it now, but... Uh... I'm sure I have blind spots and I'd like to. Clear oh out. yeah. yeah, And I do too. I do too. And I, I'm excited to find my next one. And because that means my life's going to be so much better. There's going to be less smoke. My kids got smoke. Oh, did they get smoke? I mean, it's half, half the ones I discovered were in the last years. So, which means if I've got a 23 year old, which I do, I was just on the phone with him. The, uh, that means, you know, he was breathing smoke for for till the last eight years when I broke through that one, you know, and who knows what they're in now with me. But I'll tell you this, man, I'm going to clean it out. I'm going to search and destroy it because anyone who believes in the in the sanctity of the of the, the actual spirit of a person, which is called Neshama, the soul. Well, if you're saying anything other than that, you're you got smoke coming into it your life and the lives of those around you and 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 it's all tunnel four so you got like you've created a whole personality around it so that you'd never see it because it's painful stuff and so human beings hate pain like human beings do not do well with pain and Ruchi's question about her six-year-old sister who's got all this pain she's got to get out and so and so we don't like pain 
And so what we do instead is we can create a personality around it that would somehow explain why things are the way they are. That's the self-deception. And our personalities are just a giant self-deception that protects us from the pain of the, of the negative voices in being that we've developed. And that's why I'm working this seminar for so many years is because I'm here to help people break through that. Now, uh, logistically, I'm not sure what to do with all of us because, first of all, my wife made burritos and it's time to go eat them. So, but I'm not, uh, but that's one logistical issue. But the other logistical issue is um, developing this group into a group tomorrow because I'd like to run the seminar. I don't have to, meaning I'm, thank God everything's okay over here. Um, it's, I mean, it'd be a nice buffer financially to have 250 bucks from 10 ladies to certainly pay for my, my life here, which is hardly cheap, but, um, but that's not, um, that's not, you know, I'm, we're not in a make or break situation. So if we don't do it, you know, we will survive, but I, but this is my, my contribution to the world. So I'd like to actually give it. So, so, but on the other hand, we, our last group, we had two, 13 women, which was 20%. I, I generally have a 20% um, retention rate from, from free intros. So, so 13 women is what, what's 20, what's that? You're a lawyer. What's 20%? What, well, how we many women do came? Math. That's why we go into law. <laughs> <laughs> how many women came if 13 women stayed? Whatever. <laughs> you understand my question, ladies? It, it was something like 70 women. So and we, you understand it was something like that. So 70 women came to the trial and 13 women uh, stayed. And um, by the way, is this a good time? Could it be I chose a bad time? I know uh, at West Coast good. is really. Yeah. The reason I chose 11 to 1 was I was figuring, because men are going back to work. Women work too, but in the East Coast, a lot of my more observant community ladies um, are married to men and they're doing, uh, they're doing the house stuff. And they're on home and children and stuff. And so I figured 11 to 1, they're not quite back from school. Yeah. It's good for me. I think Sundays are were probably just difficult for people. Yes, yeah, Sunday is a little nice. Yeah, maybe, so maybe just today was slow for that reason. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, i tell you this. Because I did everything free flow today, um, I don't think that people would even have to hear today's recording to be on the ball for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah that's my number, Abigail. Um, I don't think everyone would have to be on the rec- meaning the other groups we had people miss the first day and women from this group got women to join. So, so that, um, and they did have to hear the recording, but I don't think from today they would have to hear it. But I think it's been an amazing class, by the way. Like uh, it's been fun for me to teach because I'm going in all the subjects that I love speaking on. Um, but this was more of like a seminar intro than the first day. The first day is like really the first day. It's one of five. But this time wasn't so much. And we didn't even get into the five fears, which is the first of these 10 lenses that we're going to be talking about. But I will, um, 
I will. Uh, I'd like to do the seminar. I'm not sure what to do to get a full group. Um, and you, I don't want to put any of you on the spot to have you commit now, even though Danielle's committed. But I don't want to put you on the spot to say, all right, you're in or out, you know. Um, I can ask around. Maybe I can get some, foster up some interest of people who may not have known about it. I would love it. Okay, if you if you literally Google the possible you or YouTube the possible you, there's so many, anything from short to long to like get the yeah. full idea of what it if is. If there's sponsors, I mean, people I know would be interested, but you know, some people have lost their jobs because of this uh, virus. Yeah, I know. Do you know, Abigail, you know how much the seminar is in, in the US when I come? It's $900. <laughs> But it's also not ten hours. It's uh, it's uh, six hours a day for four days. It's twenty four hours, six by four. So, um, th- we're doing this for two fifty because it was actually four hundred three months ago. The online, but we saw that it wasn't that wasn't the right it wasn't the right match to the corona. So two fifty. If I can offer right a scholarship, I'd love to pay for someone else. If you know somebody that wants oh, to do it, can afford. That's so sweet. The, the, I just finished a men's one where someone did that. Okay, and the merit right. of the work that you're allowing me to do for my children to have a better mom, it's, Very I would nice. be glad. Very nice. You know what I'll do? Hey, wait, I, Abigail, I got an amazing idea. Let's do this. Let's let anyone come. And the women that can't afford it will pitch in for the few people who couldn't pay for it. Meaning, uh, meaning let's say there were three women who could pay 100. So we'll take Danielle's, you know, that'll be two and a half scholarships for women who could afford 100 bucks. Which is, by the way, the person who gave the 250, Danielle? I, is it Danielle, by the way? Yeah. So the person who gave the 250, I didn't give it to someone. I, I, two people joined who really couldn't afford it, but they could each afford 125. And, and so they each got the seminar for 125 because of the 250 person. So let's, let's do that. Um, anyway, ladies, since we're all here, I think it's the divine providence of God that, uh, that let's let's get a let's make it happen for tomorrow and uh and then uh um, by the way abigail because i know you're walking around danielle i don't know if you're seeing the chats but she said really appreciate the scholarship she wrote oh sure Um, so anyway let's um let's go through with it i'll if i'm gonna cancel it i'll cancel it on the spot and everyone will get refunded online whatever money they gave so so let's do it we're gonna do it um, but I'm asking everyone, like literally, Ruchi, Yitti, uh, Khani, Malki, Avigail, Dana, Danielle. Let's let's uh, let's promote it for ourselves to have a group. It needs a group dynamic. I promise you that I just did a men's one for seven men. It did not have the dynamic. Like I so should have canceled that. Except in person, I would definitely have canceled. I mean, every couple of years, I wind up like bad scheduling it, and not enough people signed up. I cancel it. Because we're not, there's no way we're doing 24 hours with the wrong dynamic. But I last week I tried doing a smaller group. <laughs> I shouldn't have done it. It was like I, was like, I had a question. It was like therapy. It was like two hours of therapy every day <laughs> instead of the seminar. Yeah, yeah Ruchi. Um, you're saying that you could only do it if you're in a stable place. Um, if it's if it's the Zoom, it's not the live. Is it less? Um, is it less deep? Like way less, way less deep, way less deep. The seminar itself, by the way, you realize after I said about the stable thing that automatically I'm going to have five people who aren't that stable. 
or not stable at all. Yeah, but my question they, is, if they, it's they get survive. Right. They survive. Right. They get, get through it. They all get through it. However, what I would tell you is that the the actual seminar itself. I mean, at one point you're in the pitch black fetal position on the floor, screaming your. Right. That's screaming. not happening. Here. This is fine. Like no one's gonna yes. have a heart. No one's gonna get destabilized from our work this week. Yeah. With, yeah, the seminar is built to add chaos to an to. Um, this is going to be very deep for people who can understand what I'm about to say. The to a non chaotic world. <laughs> yeah, the seminar is right, exactly. But the seminar is originally designed to create chaos in the order of a life that's not ordered properly, so that you can now shake it up and get the right order in how you are, who you are, right. and the being. So, see, chaos is always. Um, chaos is where we grow and order is where we breathe, you know? And so like, you don't want too much chaos in your life. Corona has been like way too much chaos, but God saw the world that the order wasn't okay and sent, you know, this somehow likely man-made thing got either got leaked by accident or leaked on purpose, but it got out and the whole world had to go through chaos so that it could kind of realign itself with principles of reality like for example family people are together now and and like they've never been together now some people didn't have the tools for that either unfortunately and couples have divorced and separated and lives have gone literally down the tubes um Oh no, someone, who was that? Donna sent that message? Yes. Oh no, you've been wanting, she's been wanting to do this for five years, but this week, what's wrong, the time or there's something else going on in your life? Uh, the time, and the, I have appointments every morning, including a doctor's appointment and a serviceman appointment. So it's just not going to work but, out. But, but people, have been, people have been on their, like you see how Danielle's on the move, our attorney there? Did you see her on your phone or on your screen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, several people have done the seminar driving around. They then they cut out a little, but they're all getting the recording. So like they missed they missed a half hour here, they missed forty five minutes there. By the way, Donna, you have to come do it in person. People fly in all the time, but now that you'll at least get the work in and get your get it all going and started, you can do it. I had a woman a woman two weeks ago. She didn't come to one of them. She did it all on recording. You understand? And then she WhatsApped with me all the coaching she needed. So if you're here for, if you're here even for 60%, you're going to get everything I'm offering on the webinar. You get that? Because you okay. get the recordings each day. It all comes in. So consider, consider even with your business. And you can be, you have a smartphone? Yes, I do. So you can be with us on your way in. Even the waiting room, you can have a headset, headphone. Okay. I had people, I had people picking up Starbucks. <laughs> well, even with my doctor's appointment, it's going to be by video. Oh, really? Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. Okay, so that you'll get the recording for whatever that was. <laughs> video doctors. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> now, um, that's great. So, so listen. Um, Ladies, we're going to go for it. Let's, this, I've never done this on a webinar, but let's, all, let's be the promoters of our own seminar. And I'll do it too. I'll, before I go to bed tonight, I'll, I'll like send out a bunch of messages out to at least my graduates telling them, like, save, save, the, uh, save this group, you know, like, save the whales. 
Sounds good. Uh, did someone else have a question? Did I feel like someone asked a question? I missed it, or I was in the middle of it, and then Donna was. Did someone say something? Did Brooke say something? I don't remember. No, anyway. about it being about it being too too deep or not too deep. Yeah, yeah we handled that. Yeah. Okay, Khani, uh, Khani, you have a question, Khani Khan. Uh, you said yes. Um, did you have a question you want to ask on the chat? You can ask on the chat. Thank you. Welcome. Um, can I ask what methods you're using now? Like you clearly graduated the seminar. Um, so you're saying that you're still clearing your smoke. So how are you doing? Um, yeah. I'm sick. Uh, let me just answer this real quick. Khani Khan, um, she asked, um, I'm going to send a chat to the chat, everybody, where you can get someone. She had asked, um, where can someone watch this? Because so, if you think tonight would make the difference rather than just going online to see something. So um, so let's, um, so I'm going to send all of you who to email to get today's recording. Okay, you got that? So it's it's one Ruth Adler. It's pretty easy to remember too. It's the number one and then Ruth Adler at Gmail. Ruth Adler at Gmail. And um, she has the recordings and she sends them to whomever wants. I'm thinking to get, in, get this one right up on tour anytime right now. So I should probably mention the date. What's the date? Anyone know today's date? June 14th. June 14th. So this is the, the June 15th seminar. Uh, anyone who wants to, who saw this and would like to join. So you would want to go to uh, uh, rabbiyomtov.com and uh, sign up. I'm having a hell of a time typing right now. Dot com. No. Dot com. Yes. Okay, there it is. I put it online. One Ruth Adler. That'll get the video. And I think what I'll do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send her a WhatsApp now that she should... Um, send this to Torney time to put it on. It's a pretty powerful class, I think. <laughs> if I can say, if I may say so myself. Um, for all you ladies who think, oh, I'm not going to get anyone to come to this. I'm too shy. I'm too whatever. Or, or I've got my own problems. Or I don't want to have to deal with my life with someone I know on it. Um, so I'm reminding everybody that we start tomorrow with a an oath, Leonetta, oath of confidentiality that whatever is shared here stays here. And we really, really keep it strong. Okay. Shalom, everybody. Have a beautiful night, a uh, beautiful day, and uh, blessings. And you can always be in touch with me. And please, God, we'll see you tomorrow um, at whatever time your time zone is. Shalom. Thanks, Rabbi. Thank you. Welcome. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.